Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of To Be Discussed with Kevin Gurr. My name is Kevin Gurr, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political officer, George Cullen. Hello, everyone. This evening, Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the evening. So tonight, we will be discussing... Now that the Brexit hype is fading, do you pay less attention to politics? Who should be the next leader of the Labour Party? And lastly, would you ever live completely off-grid? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week we asked you, are your views on social issues similar to that of your parents? And you guys have been messaging us in. Uh, and Amy is the first opinion we've got with, my views on so many things are so different to my parents and it irritates me so much. Whenever we have debates about things at home, like over dinner, we always end up in a disagreement because my parents are just so wrong about things. For example, my parents still don't think that gay marriage is natural and they cringe if there's ever a gay couple on TV or in a film. I just don't understand why they react like that when it's totally natural and I just don't see how it impacts them, like at all. They're quite traditional, I guess you could say, so anything like LGBTQ plus rights they don't agree with and even things like the way people dress, they're very conservative about that. And George, what do you make of that opinion? Well, I think firstly, I would say that if if what Callum and I try and prove all the time is that you should never try and fall out over what different people's opinions are and what their viewpoints are. Um, unfortunately, uh, maybe unfortunately, we live in a very democratic society, which means that everyone is entitled to their own uh, points of view, even if you believe it to be very wrong. Um, but I, I think it's in those situations where you have to be able to just leave those opinions elsewhere and not fall out about those certain things and just agree that both of you don't agree on that certain subject or don't agree on that certain debate. And then you can just move on instead of it. Keep going on and on and on. I think it's really interesting, though, that you can definitely see the generational split um, from yourself, Amy, and your parents. Uh, and And it's interesting and nice to see that you aren't being influenced in your political views by your parents and that you've been able to take it on by yourself and um, actually get to your own beliefs and, and your own stance on certain subjects and, and that is really good to see and also it is good that you are able to um, debate and have an opinion uh, within your house um, and actually have those discussions because sometimes People won't even let those discussions go ahead um, if they disagree on certain subjects. I, I think, unfortunately, when it comes to um, some of our parents and their viewpoints, they have been set in their ways for rather a long time, and it won't they won't change those viewpoints um, because that's what they've known. Um, whether that's right or wrong is is for you to decide, but they are used to that and that is what they have been brought up knowing um, and what their beliefs are and sometimes you can just never shove or prove someone wrong on what their true beliefs actually are. Callum, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean I think it's interesting obviously you say George about obviously our our general um, principle is uh, you, know, you, you don't need to fall out over 
kind of political debates and discussions and and I do do, obviously (laughs) agree with that with doing the show and everything like that Um, however I, I do also think that there are some fundamental things that aren't really or shouldn't really be they're not a policy debate as such um and and, uh, so i do think that lgbtq plus rights do generally fall into that category but of course there is i suppose nuance within those debates as well even within those communities um so so i i can completely understand where amy's coming from in terms of um, you know, if, with her parents not thinking gay marriage is natural and cringing when a gay couple comes on on TV or or in film. So, I mean, obviously that's that's really um, immensely difficult, and and I can see how you would end up having uh, um, massive disagreements. Um, but as George says, I mean, I, I think generally, I suppose the the idea would be to try and not fall out over these things and just. Um, kind of accepts the fact that um the different people do have different views but i i mean i completely understand where amy is coming from in terms of it is it's really difficult sometimes on, on these really um almost morally black or white areas i think um whereas a lot of the things that me that that we discuss maybe in my opinion are a lot more gray and there is a lot more um, kind of wiggle room there. Yeah, and I think when we do discuss issues um, that Amy has raised, we are never one to disagree with each other. Yeah, um, we yeah are not often, agreement. no. Yeah. No. Um, right, so our second opinion comes in from Paige, and she says, I think our views on things are quite similar, but I'm just a bit more vocal about it and try to do more about it. For example, my parents are quite hot on things like climate change and staying fit and healthy, and things like that. But neither of my parents have actually ever been on a climate change march. I have been on a climate change march and I did one of the Friday afternoon school walkouts. I also try to spread messages about important social action online on my Instagram uh, the whole time. But they just kind of talk about it. So we do agree. But I feel that they just feel about it, whereas I actually do things about it. Well, Callum. Yeah, no, that's um, that's really interesting. Now, I think Paige's opinion is probably not going to be alone there um, in terms of probably a lot of parents aren't as um, kind of social justice active as, as what maybe their kids are, even if they do generally agree with the principles of it. Um, I mean, I guess it's, it's partly because obviously parents live such um, busy lives um, taking care of their kids as much as anything um so so that's obviously partly why um but i mean it's it's really good to see Paige, that you've um taken part in in some of these actions on obviously such an important issue um as climate change um and i i mean obviously maybe from your point of view it's not ideal that your parents aren't getting more directly involved but i think um probably a lot of our listeners would be would be kind of tear your right arm off to have parents that were at least supportive of those things um so and it it sounds like in your case your parents are reasonably supportive of what you're doing 
Um, mm. So, uh, I mean, I guess that that's a, a good thing in itself. What do you think, George? Yeah, I think it's it's really uh, interesting point actually, and 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 I agree with what you what you've just said, Clem, in terms that. I think our parents' lives obviously are in a completely different stage and area of um, where we are currently as um, the young generations, and especially if you're still at school. When you're at school, you have time to focus your mind on other areas and issues that you believe in and that you ha- you want to stand up in. And, and also, I believe there are a lot, lot of opportunities for you to go out and stand up for those beliefs now, um, whereas your parents probably have a different viewpoint on things they they're probably more worried about making sure that you've got dinner on your table making sure that you're you've got clean clothes making sure that they get to work making sure that you've got a roof over your head um so as much as they don't seem like they're giving the action in actual fact i would argue that they are because they are giving you the ability to be able to go out and stand up on a platform to um give your opinion to people because they are providing you with the essentials in life to allow you to go ahead and do that yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree with you there. Uh, just moving on to our final opinion notes from Bobby. Bobby says, I think my social views are more similar to my mum than to my dad. My mum is quite liberal, to be honest. She completely agrees with things like LGBTQ plus rights, understands the importance of climate change, and her and I just share a lot of opinions on a lot of things. My dad, on the other hand, it's not that he doesn't believe in those things, but he's more like, I'm okay with it until it becomes my problem. <laughs> like, I think if one of his children was gay, he would maybe have a problem with it. But he isn't against other people being gay, if that makes sense. A lot of my friends' parents are quite similar, really. It's funny, actually, because my mum is older than my dad, but has younger views on society when you think about it. I mean, what do you make of that, George? Mm. Now... What I'm just about to say, I'm going to have to be very careful not to sound sexist, but I do believe that in many circumstances, the male of older generations is normally the one that does have less liberal views um, and they are more of a stern kind of figurehead that, that don't really like to sway from where they already stand on political viewpoints, whereas um, the female in older generations are they are a lot more liberal and they are a lot more accepting of things that are coming through. Um, I think that the, the male in older generations is getting a lot better at it. I think they are becoming more liberal. I think they are coming more acceptance of everything that is going on. Um, yeah. But if you compare it to our generation, I do think that possibly men and women in their viewpoints of in terms of um, rights and um liberties i think that we are probably quite equal in our viewpoints i mean i know i certainly believe a lot more um than probably my dad ever did especially at my age now um in gay rights and so on and i and i think that is where we've seen that generational kind of turn point where the younger generations have now been able to develop their own opinions and we will take this on further when we grow up and as such be able to pass that on to our children so i think that what bobby's explained is actually quite similar in a lot of families as he said um and i I don't think necessarily there is anything such as wrong in wrong in that because it is the way that his dad has been brought up and that is his beliefs and we can't as much as we might disagree with those beliefs as i said at the beginning 
it is his entitlement to have those beliefs and have his own viewpoint on things. Um, so yeah, Callum, what, what, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, no, I think Bobby's opinion is really, um, interesting there. Um, and, and I, I, I think, um, with obviously with a, a dad who says, in, for example, on, on things like gay rights, uh, or, or, or people being gay rather, I'm okay with it until it becomes my problem. I think, as you say, George, it's probably um, something that is, is shared by a lot of people's parents, especially the the um, the father as such. I, I'd be very interested to see um, with um, people like that if their child was gay, whether or not they would... Um, kind of come around to it as it were and and I'm always quite optimistic um and and I do believe that if they are generally um maybe some people say it and they're not really but if and I I take it at face value that um people who say I'm okay with it actually are I think if they are genuinely in, in their heart of hearts accepting of people being gay I think eventually they will come around to it the idea that their their children are gay or lesbian or, or or whatever. So so I think it's a really interesting point of view to have brought up, Bobby. Um, and I'd be yeah. really interested to see with people like that because you do see examples of where they've been maybe quite socially conservative, but then they end up being massively massively supportive once they've got their kind of head around it. I suppose when when their children are indeed gay or, or part of you know the lgbt plus community um, yeah. so obviously there's i think there's always reason for optimism especially what i'm saying right then um that's the time to end that segment of the show but remember that we'll be sending you or reading out rather what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show so make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show and we'll be back very soon <laughs> Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. <clears throat> and we're asking, now that Brexit, now the Brexit hype is fading, do you pay less attention to politics? So over the last three years, we have not stopped hearing about Brexit, 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 Brexit. Um, and it's been constant. No matter what's been going on, it always seemed to dwindle back to Brexit. And it never seemed to be able to, no one ever seemed to be able to see the end goal or to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But eventually and finally, we have finally had some progression made around Brexit and we are on our way to starting the negotiations with the EU on how we want to move forward with them. But as Brexit is now not so much in the headlines and we don't have that hype of the drama that's going on in the House of Commons and the, the process that is the, that was Brexit. And now Parliament has been able to start actually work, working on what they should be there for, which is the, the bills that should be going through regarding our NHS, social care, housing and, and things like that. Are you kind of withdrawing your 
love and passion for politics now are you starting to think ah brexit's over i don't really need to bother about that as much there's not so much for me to talk about or fight about what do you think callum are you uh not really paying much attention to what's going on in the old house <laughs> uh, yes to be honest I, i'm not paying as much attention to it um i think the, the thing is that as much as it's been frustrating in the last few years, we've been living in really extraordinary, um, uncertain political times and really historic times as well, mm. where, let, let's be honest, this time, I think even last year, really, um, it was still probably up in the air whether or not Brexit was even going to happen. Um, and there was almost everything to play for. Um in terms of the the future direction of this country, whereas now we're we're living in in a time where the Conservatives have obviously got a, a great big stonking majority, um, and it means that there is far less um, likelihood that the government of the day isn't going to kind of win as such in terms of votes within the House. So it does make it in a sense, far less interesting, I think, for yeah. especially for people who aren't of a conservative persuasion. Um, and so I think on that basis, I probably do pay less attention to politics um, that, than, than what I was. And I think what's really testament to that is the fact that even on this show, we've probably been talking about politics a lot less since Brexit than, than what maybe we were. Um, and... Because even in topics that were seemingly unrelated, I think we were always finding a way to to link them to Brexit, to link them to the fact that, um, you know, there was no majority in the House or, or, or things like that. And all these things linked to, to Brexit. Um, where, whereas now, OK, we, we do still make reference to it, but I think there is far less talk about it just because it's in a sense, far less happened yet. Although I think as we get towards the end of the year, truthfully, um, there might be a bit more, it might return into the public consciousness a little bit more. And I, I apologise actually to the listeners because I, I was one of the people that was saying, oh, well, now that um, we've we've left on the 31st of January, um, that will be, we, we won't be talking about it anywhere near as much. And Maybe I, I slightly um, didn't quite interpret that correctly, but we'll, but we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, George, what what do you make of uh, of this question? Do, do, are you paying less attention, even though you <laughs> you're working in politics? I I I guess you aren't, George. Well, it's it's an interesting one. I my job isn't as busy as it was. Um, when when Brexit was happening and, and all the votes that were going on, it was honestly incredibly stressful because we genuinely never knew which way these votes were going to go. Um, and it made, obviously, uh, my workload a lot more and, and my boss's workload a lot more. Um, but, yeah, I think we we have just just about come out of a time in politics where I don't think we will see again for a very long time. We had a parliament that was just in standstill that could not do anything. Um, and Callum was so right in saying that it, it was strange how nearly in every conversation that we had or debate that we had, it was always kind of highlighted back to the process of Brexit and, and the elections that Brexit um, brought about because, because we were discussing things about how this country could change 
ultimately, because the Parliament was in a, a neutral gear, those changes that Callum and I were discussing could never actually happen because there wasn't a majority in the House either way on both sides for anything to be taken forward. Um, so it was always a very difficult thing to talk about and i think politics now we will see it go back to the the, the norm that it that it was or once was um because politics i think it's been good in terms that it's been able to bring so many people in and and, and increase people's interest in politics but but also i think now people will start to see what politics actually is about it's very rare that we get a circumstance like brexit and the situations that brexit brought about because normally Brexit, uh, the government is just about making law. It's about ensuring that they can govern with a majority and get their legislation through that was on their manifesto. Um, and that is simply what they will be doing now as they have a stonking majority in, in the Commons, the Conservatives. Um, and it's I wouldn't so much say that I'm now paying less attention to what's going on. It's just that there isn't as much that I need to pay attention to, if that makes sense. Um, so it's it, it's actually a lot of a nicer place to be in politics now. There isn't as much division. There isn't as much of the conflict and the pure nastiness that was going on. It is actually seeming that we are working a lot better and it's a lot nicer to be up there now yeah yeah and and oh, yeah obviously that's that's good to hear that it is obviously nice a nicer place to be politics because obviously um the, this this show kind of came about because we were living in a particular time when politics had turned so bitter and it, it, it's it's good to hear that, that maybe the tide is turning um in terms of that um, but but from from a conservative perspective, do do are you worried that with the Brexit hype fading, that this is going to be damaging for the Conservatives and their kind of future ability, not just to govern but to to win a, a majority again? Because obviously, the the last election, let's be truthful about the fact that the Conservatives essentially won that majority on the back of getting Brexit done, as Boris Johnson put it. And, and do you worry that if the Brexit hype fades, that they won't have that kind of surge of support necessarily to retain those red wall seats and the other seats that won them a majority? What, what do you think, George? I think going forward, there is absolutely that that um, problem that will come about. But there are so many different circumstances that could play into where we stand when we come up to the next general election and, and how well we do. I think a lot of the, major the the reason we got the majority wasn't just because of the, the slogan, get Brexit done. It was also because of the uh, failure of the leader of the opposition. Um, and it was and we are obviously, as we will discuss next, there is going to be a new leader of the Labour Party. And it is up to the leader of the Labour Party to really bring a true challenge to the Conservatives. And if they can do that, then I do think we will start seeing the, the Conservative uh, polls start to decrease. But saying that, I think we had such a success in um, the last general election. It will be hard to fall dramatically um, in the next general election coming up. But I do think that we will drop in some areas. At the same time, if Boris can actually deliver on getting 
the northern issues onto uh, into Parliament and actually creating situations that we are looking after all of our seats that we have won and been able to win from Labour, um, then I don't see any reason as to why we can't carry on in this going forward. And I can tell you now that there is already there is already quite a lot of uh, confusion going on in the, the Conservative membership because a lot of people were expecting Boris to take quite a hard line on everything when Boris has and always kind of will be on the viewpoint that he is actually quite liberal in, in what he does and says in, in, in his policies beliefs um, and he is quite center in in what he wants to introduce for this this country and a lot of people that voted him in aren't actually particularly happy in the way that he's going about that so my biggest concern actually is losing the votes of those that thought that he was going to be a little bit more right-wing um than those that are more on the left side okay okay that's that's um obviously a really interesting point of view i I mean for what it's worth i mean obviously i'm not a conservative or anything like that are you not Um, no funnily enough oh no um um but but i i think that that it is obviously a concern i think for the conservatives with the brexit hype fading um and as you say george i think if you can get those northern issues onto the table and actually prescribe solutions then um you you would think if there's justice in the world you you'd retain those seats but but i wonder how much the the issues that not just the the northern seats have but there's other kind of swing seats that you one are having i wonder how much there is a solution, or at least there is a solution within five years. Um, and, and I think we will likely see at least a smaller conservative majority at the next election, although it is very, very early days to be talking about a next election. I, I would imagine, um, that, you know, this is going to be a fairly long government. Yes, um, as yeah. such. Um, but um, I, I do think, you know, there is obviously maybe some slight cause for concern for the Conservatives, because I think it really was um, with this, this Brexit hype that it's caused us maybe all to lose or, or pay less attention to politics now. And that was a really kind of once in a lifetime or once in a ever really um, voting phenomenon. As such, and it really changed the way people votes voted. Oh um, yeah, and, yeah. But th- I mean, we have seen kind of similar um, changes in the way people vote. I mean, i.e., with um, in before the kind of First World War, the, the main opposition party was the Liberal Party, um, but then that that switched to then Labour being main challenger, um, and and that did uh, even after the First World War or. or or more towards the second world war that did check that change was permanent so perhaps we we will see this this um change be be permanent and brexit kind of having that real long lasting impact not just upon our economy and our trade and all of that but also on kind of fundamental voting behavior as well 
Absolutely. And, and how do you think this is going to go? Um, I think people will be paying less attention to politics. So, so yes, we'll, uh, we'll come out on top with uh, 60%. What do you think? I'm going to go for 65%. Uh... <laughs> so it is now time for our second sunbreak of this evening. And remember, you can vote on this question. Now the Brexit hype is fading. Do you pay less attention to politics? And you could do that at uk forward slash listen. And you could do that. Uh, blah, blah, blah. We'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back to To We Discuss. So to find out the results of that poll, please go to our Twitter page. That's at WizRadio. See, I can make a sentence. <laughs> sure you can. Uh, right, then, time to move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we're asking the question, who should be the next leader of the Labour Party? Uh, so as we all know, and as we just discussed in the last topic, uh, Labour had a particularly... Uh, disastrous election result in the 2019 election um, and it caused their their leader Jeremy Corbyn to stand down and in what has been a very 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 drawn out process we have now whittled down the contenders in the Labour leadership to to three who are appearing on the ballot papers that have been sent out to members this week and over the next week or so. And so the contenders we have are Lisa Nandy, Rebecca Long-Bailey and Keir Starmer. And we're really keen and we, we've been kind of holding off on this topic until um, things had been whittled down. But we're really keen to see what our pre- the preference of our listeners is in terms of who should be the next leader, who can take it um, to the Conservatives and, and perhaps win back a majority government, something that the Labour Party haven't seen since um, 2010 when they were last in power. But before I pose this to you lovely listeners, I've got to pose it to my co-host, Sir George. I mean, obviously you're incredibly, incredibly biased in, in terms of this as a Conservative. But who do you think, if you were a supporter of the Labour Party, first of all, who do you think should be the next leader of the Labour Party? And then after that, as a supporter of the Conservatives, who should? Um, Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> what, for, to both? Yeah. Oh, right, great. I said we, can, um, we can move on now. Yeah, um, luckily, luckily for everyone, he stood down, so... <laughs> um, no. <laughs> yeah. In all seriousness, um, I have been... I'll hold my hands up um, because this process has been so long. I haven't paid that much attention to every single debate that has gone on, but I have been sure to make sure that I, I actually watch some of the highlights of the debates and, and keep track on what is going on, um, who's standing down and, and who's been able to make it through to the final ballot. And the person out of everyone that is really impressing me, and as we all know, I like an underdog, is Lisa Nandy. I think Lisa Nandy... If I was part of the Labour Party, she is someone that is bringing a new element, a new kind of politics towards the Labour Party. And the Labour Party have a way of either going super left or to the to the middle. They they, they struggle to be between those two kind of stances. 
And I do believe that Lisa would be able to come in and really change the party. And that is exactly what it needs. It can't just keep going on to the, on the same kind of stereotypical way forward that it, it seems to be going on, on whatever is, 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 uh, Contrailing, oh, that's not even a word, um, that, that is coming forward from either Keir Starmer or Rebecca Long Bailey. And I think Lisa is actually surprisingly, she's making up a lot of momentum, um, excuse the pun, and she is wow. really, <laughs> she is really, um, coming out of nowhere. I mean, for example, one of the biggest things I believe the Labour Party need to get solved is the issue around anti-Semitism. Um, and I think Lisa, is the person to do that. I mean, for example, out of the national uh, bodies that you have to get back, uh, have to be backed from uh, to be running in the Labour leadership um, process, she's been backed by the Jewish Labour movement. And to me, that is one of the biggest credits to any candidate to say that this is the person that we need in in power to allow this party to heal itself of the anti-Semitism. Um, She's also the only person that actually says and has repeatedly said that she thinks that um, she voted for Brexit, but she actually accepts the results. She wants us to get on with Brexit. She wants us to move forward. And she's always been vocal about that. And she has she once stood down as the from the shadow cabinet um, regarding Jeremy Corbyn's position on Brexit and Labour's position on Brexit. Now, in terms of looking at it in the conservative, if I was a conservative member, which I am, um, it's it's interesting. If I want a really easy ride and I want us to keep on the succession that we are going on, then I would get everyone to back Rebecca Long Bailey. Because if you want everything to be kept the same like it was under Jeremy Corbyn, then just vote for Rebecca. Um, but at the same time, I do truly want to see someone challenge Boris and I think that Keir Starmer would be able to bring forward a very good case to challenge Boris um, as we have seen he is the favourite to win this um, election and he is someone that does want to kind of start bringing the party back to the centre the biggest issue for me with him is that he is a Remainer um, and he still believes in remaining as part of the EU so there you go that's my rundown of all three um, I will be hoping that Lisa and Andy gets it, uh, not because it will make our life easier as a conservative, because I don't believe it will. I actually will welcome the challenge that she will bring, um, and I think it will be good for politics. How about you, Callum? Um, so I'm very much sold on Lisa and Andy as well. I mean, I, I agree oh. with you um, that I, I think she's been far and away the, the strongest contender. Um, in this leadership election. And I think she's come from virtually nowhere as well. I mean, if we think about the fact she only for a very short time, I think, held a shadow cabinet role. She's mm. not really been part of the the in crowd, as it were, of um, of Jeremy Corbyn's past kind of shadow cabinet. Um, whereas both Rebecca Longbelly and Keir Starmer were kind of key key architects in that. Um, and I think that's my kind of biggest concern about Keir Starmer as well. I mean, I agree with you, George, that, that he is quite vocally quite remain. Um, and, and I worry with Keir Starmer that he's got this perception, rightly or wrongly, that 
he's a little boring, truthfully, and he's a bit of a steady Eddie. Um, and and my concern is, is he an overcorrection um, from maybe the mistakes the Labour movement made appointing Jeremy Corbyn as leader or electing Jeremy Corbyn as leader? Because the trouble with Jeremy Corbyn was that he generated so many media headlines because of all of his past very controversial beliefs and just generally his his policy ideas. They generated a hell of a lot of media coverage, not often particularly good. With Keir Starmer, I think there's a there's a, a worry and, and maybe a risk that they've picked someone who's not going to generate media headlines, who's not controversial, who is very beige. And I'm not sure that's what the Labour Party needs. I mean, they're going up against Boris Johnson. I mean, Boris Johnson generates media headlines just through his name alone um, and just through buying a sandwich or whatever Boris Johnson will generate headlines. Uh, and um, obviously headlines don't win elections, but they damn well help. Um, and so so I think there's a worry there. Um, I mean, George, obviously we, we've, we're both quite strongly in, in favour of Lisa Nandy, perhaps. Um, what could you say kind of positive, maybe more about Rebecca Long-Bailey, given um, that she's probably had the, the harshest criticism um, of, of all of the candidates? Um, <clears throat> is, there, <laughs> is, is there anything good to say? Uh, no, I, I've got to give it to Rebecca because she has obviously come from uh, what she believes in. She she wanted Jeremy Corbyn to be leader. She stood with Jeremy Corbyn, to, I'm sorry, backed with Jeremy Corbyn to become leader. Um, and she believes in what Jeremy Corbyn um, believes in as well. She believes in that socialist element of society. Um, and she believes in the manifesto that they brought forward in the last general election. And you can't discredit her for not sticking to her guns over that even after the criticism that jeremy corbyn has received and the labor party has received since the last election due to many factors she has still kept to um her points around that it wasn't due to the manifesto that the labor party lost that the manifesto is still very positive that it's still um very highly accepted and that she would still take that forward um and she still believes in the ex-leader of the labor party jeremy corbyn and you have to be pretty brave to stand on the platform and to say things like that i mean rightly or wrongly she might not it might not get her the support that she is actually after but She's still keeping to her principles. She hasn't gone out there and said all of this and then realised it's got a bad reception and then run away from it. She's kept to what she's believed in. And I can't discredit her for doing that. I think that shows um, a level of honesty and actual belief in what she wants to do for this country. What about you, Callum? Yeah, I, th- I think with Rebecca Long-Bailey, one of the positive parts is I think she's been much more willing to talk about patriotism and what, Jeremy Corbyn has, so she's called for what she terms a progressive patriotism, um, where she she kind of wants to take back control of foreign policy from, she believes that under um, Boris Johnson that maybe Donald Trump is more in charge of foreign policy. Um, although I will say it's, it's damn worrying that they're talking of making um, Jeremy Corbyn potentially shadow foreign secretary, but 
that's probably yeah. another discussion for another time. <laughs> um, but the other thing I would say about Long Bailey is that maybe in comparison to Corbyn, we'll see much more decisive action when it comes to foreign policy. So she has said, unlike Jeremy Corbyn, that she would be prepared to use Trident, the, the nuclear missile system, um, to as a, as a kind of deterrent. Um, and if we think about what happened with the Salisbury attacks and kind of Jeremy Corbyn's dithering, in my opinion, um, about um, about Salis- Salisbury, rather, um, maybe under Rebecca Long Bailey, we'll see much firmer action from the opposition as well. Um, that is actually in the interest of the country. Yeah, yeah, we can absolutely. hope. Yeah. Uh, and who do you think is going to come out on top of this, George? Do you know what I'm going to? say that uh i'm gonna put my hopes on lisa nandy how about you yeah i've got a feeling that lisa nandy's gonna do well i think she's gonna do well amongst the, the younger generations actually um but maybe maybe that's just a, a hope rather than a, a reality we shall see i, I also think Keir will do well i just don't think rebecca long bailey will in this poem um, right then, it's time for you guys to vote away on this question. So that, that question is, who should be the next leader of the Labour Party? You can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And the options again are Lisa Nandy, Rebecca Long-Bailey or Keir Starmer. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So before the break, we ask who should be the next leader of the Labour Party? And to find out the results to that poll, head over to our Twitter page. That's at Wiz Radio. Over to you, George. <laughs> Thanks, Callum. Um, so <laughs> our next question is, would you ever live completely off grid? So with the whole world saying that we need to be aware of our climate footprint and our climate, what we're doing with our carbon footprint, would you ever go to the extent where you live completely off grid and by off grid i mean not using electricity not having a mobile phone not having wi-fi not having heating not having really access to brand new clothes would you take those risks would you go out and live in your garden put a couple of logs over your head and sleep there and live there for the rest of your life callum what are your thoughts uh no i don't think i would to be honest i i terrible i know terrible um but no no I'd, see see for me i think and maybe this is being really really selfish and, and all kinds of things like that but i think we've made all of these technical advancements as as a human race um do, we should be reaping the rewards of that and of course, we should be applying all of these new technologies into um, making sure that, you know, we are being fair and just to the planet and that, that we aren't emitting loads of carbon emissions and things like that. But, but I think that for me personally, I couldn't ever live off grid anyway. And, but I, I just don't think it would be right to because you're effectively turning your back on um, a lot of the technical technological advancements that we have seen um, what do you think George I think it's it's definitely an interesting one and it, it kind of <clears throat> you know plays in that that old trick where um 
I would ask Greta, for example, if you believe this much and everything, would you then go and live completely off grid if it meant saving the planet? Um, and I genuinely would be interested to hear her response. I, as we all know, I think a lot of us are absolutely for making sure that we reduce our climate footprint and so on and so forth. But I, I think going to those extents would be a bit extreme um, and I don't think it is necessary to do so. Um, and Callum makes a very good point that there are technologies coming out now that could absolutely ensure that we could similarly live in the life that we have today but with a reduced carbon footprint. So we wouldn't have to go back to our caveman days um, and go hunting with spears. So I, I think as much as it might be quite a good kind of uh, idea for a weekend, I would never be able to be out there for the rest of my life. I mean, I, I, I think I'd get laughed at if I walked into Parliament with, you know, green stuff in my hair and not not looking my best. Um, how do you think the vote's going to go on this, Callum? Um, I, I, I don't think many people will say they live completely off grid. I think we're so reliant upon um, technology and things. Although I do suspect that there'll be a few who will say they would, but um, as you know, I'm quite often skeptical about people's answers, and, and I wonder <laughs> whoever they could in reality. It's a, it's a hell of a big commitment. Um, so I'm going to say no. It's going to get this with uh, 75%. What do you think, George? I'm going to say that no is going to get this with 72%. Um, <laughs> so close <laughs> to mine, George. <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't think so. Um, so remember, you can vote on this question. Would you ever live completely off grid? Um, and you can do that with a reddit.co.uk forward slash listen. Um, we'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, would you ever live completely off grid? And to find out the results of that, please go to our Twitter page. That's at WizRadio. Well, everyone, stop crying. Stop. Stop it. Stop crying. It is now time for Callum and I to be leaving. So thanks very much uh, for listening, everybody, to To Be Discussed with Cup and Go. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. So, as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like you to send in your opinions on the question, do you think exams are an effective way of assessing your ability to learn? You can send in those opinions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at wizardradio. So remember that question is, do you think exams are an effective way of assessing your ability to learn? And we're looking forward to hearing those next week but it's now time for george and i to say ciao for now so i've been the very much not off-grid callum girl and i've been i'm just off to go and live under a log george cup <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much for listening everybody we'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of to be discussed to be discussed